0: Welcome to Celebration Church's podcast. We hope this helps you to know God better and trust Him more. To learn more about Celebration Church, please visit us at CelebrationChurchLive.com. We are in the second part of a series we started last week um, called uh, Like a Bosque. And uh, I had honestly, I had been mispronouncing that word. We had come across it in our church. If you go down to the river... And you see the bosky. And so there was a, a sign there. And I uh, um, called it just the bosk. I, I, you know, it's, it's spelled a lot like mosque. I didn't know how to say it. And uh, I hope I don't lose my man card for this. But I learned the proper pronunciation um, from watching Fixer Upper. And so uh, with, my, with my wife. And so because their little first little store was on Bosky Boulevard, and they're in Waco. And then they were saying that, and I'm like, man, they say that funny. And then I realized I'm the one saying it funny. And so, but uh, uh, if you don't know what a, uh, what a Bosque is, is a Bosque is a, a forested area. It's a grove of trees that exists in an arid area. So all of a sudden you have this, this forest that exists in a dry place, It exists in a place where trees don't normally exist, and they exist simply because there's a river, simply because there's a stream, and because they're able to be near a constant supply of water and and nourishment, then these trees that would not be able to grow in that hostile environment are all of a sudden able to grow. And what we see in the scriptures, and we'll be looking at throughout this series, is that there's this place where... the 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 scriptures reference those who are like a tree planted by streams of water. And that's what we are called to be. In this arid world, in this place where it's not really hospitable, as we are planted by the stream of living water, we will see that all of a sudden we tap into the source of life, and life can be very, very, very good. I grew up in Odessa, and I did not know there was such a thing as a mesquite tree. I only knew of mesquite bushes. And so, because you go out in the in Odessa Midland area, the mesquites are like six foot tall. And they're little sad, little skinny things. And we, I came here to check out Angelo State. And I just saw these trees. And, and they were rugged and, and, and gnarly looking trees. And I'm like, what are those? My dad's like, those are mesquites. I'm like, that, mesquites can like get bigger and it's like, yeah, if they get some water, San Angelo's got more water than Odessa does. And I was like, oh man, that's water makes a big difference. And so uh, out there there was in Odessa, they're they're not around. And I tell you, as you fly around, you can easily find in West Texas any place that there's a little stream at all, because all of a sudden there'll be this little this little strip of vegetation, this little place where it's all of a sudden it's green. And I loved coming to uh, San Angelo because there were trees here that nobody planted. In Odessa, if you see a tree, somebody put it there. It did not happen by accident. Somebody went to the store, bought that thing, stuck it in the ground, and took care of it. But in this area where there's a little more water, you get out towards East Texas, boy, they're cutting down trees. They don't want any more. They're like they—they they grow all over the place and they're a nuisance. But. But it, when you're, it's planted in the stream, it makes a difference. And so we're going to be looking at that concept. So if you've got your Uversion app open, if you've got your bulletin, then we're going to launch off with this concept that when we trust in God, we're like a tree planted by a stream of water. In Jeremiah 17, verse 7 and 8 says, but, but blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in Him. Remember, we want to know God better. We want to trust Him more. Blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in Him. They will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when the heat comes. It doesn't say that the heat won't come. It just says that it doesn't have anything to fear. Because its roots are tapping into something that nobody else around is having access to. All of a sudden, its roots is being able to ha- be able to, to get what it needs. It's not relying on its natural environment. It is, has access to something else. It doesn't, it doesn't fear when the heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. God's called us to be fruitful. God's called us to live lives and lives more abundantly. When we begin to look at what, it, what a tree planted by the stream of water, I think that's a picture of what life and life more abundantly begins to look like. That its leaf is always green. It always bears fruit. There's just this consistency of life there. That's what God wants for us. That's what God has called us into. But we have to recognize and be connected with that stream and see, when we recognize being connected with that stream of water, we understand that it's God's life in us that brings transformation to us. So many times we, we think that we have to transform ourselves to be able to pursue God. But no, it's we connect with God and the transformation comes from Him. You notice that the tree planted by the streams of water, all of a sudden it's, it's talking about its differences That it doesn't fear when the drought comes. Its its leaf is always green. It always produces fruit. It doesn't worry about the drought seasons. It doesn't worry about the the heat. Why? Why does it not? Why is it? Because it's been transformed. It's different because of where it's planted. It's different. The tree didn't say, oh man, if I'm going to be by the river. The river doesn't put up. With messed up trees. The river doesn't put up, if you're gonna be by the river, well, you gotta always bear fruit. So I better start always bearing fruit so I can be near the river. No, it's you get near the river and it transforms you. It transforms you. All of a sudden we have to recognize this process at work and Jesus came to begin to open our eyes and taught his disciples so that we can understand what this process looks like. Let's look what, where this stream, this stream of living water, where God is wanted to do this. Because Jeremiah is it's, it's in the Old Covenant. So here are these trees that are snuggled up right next to this stream. They're as close as they could possibly get. But Jesus wanted to transform The existence of the stream. Let's look at John chapter 7. It says, On the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. And whoever believes in me, as Scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. Rivers of living water... Flowing from within them. So instead of this river being something that's external that we've got to kind of sneak up against and, and live out, all of a sudden Jesus says, You know, this river, you know where it would be a better place for the river to be? There it'd be a better place for the river to be in you. It needs to be inside of you. That there would be rivers of living water. He says, by this he meant the Spirit whom those who believed in him were later to receive. But that at that time, the Spirit had not yet been given, since Jesus had not yet been glorified. Jesus was letting his disciples know. He was letting with a loud voice anyone who would listen know that he wanted to rewrite the script on this water thing, on this stream thing, on this life-giving thing. And he wanted for it to be on the inside of us, where it was with us everywhere we went, where it affected every part of our lives, where it was there. So many times we can begin to see and compartmentalize our lives, and we can go, well, I'm going to have my quiet time, and i got to go get by the stream, and I get my Bible out, and, and I get my, my, my little stuff, and I come, and I'm getting by the stream, and I'm, I'm drinking up the water, and I'm having my worship time, because, man, man, the world, it's a tough, tough world. And i got to go, and then now I'm going to go out here, and I'm going to deal with my job, and I'm going to deal with my family. I'm going to deal with all of these different things. Oh, man, they just begin to suck the life out of me. and Oh, I need to come back, and I need to get over here by the stream again and get back in my word and get back in to do all this kind of stuff. And Jesus like, no, I want to stick it on the inside of you. I want to stick it on the inside of you. Where all of a sudden when people begin to get around you, they begin to feel a little life. All of a sudden they begin to hang around you, and they're like, Man, there's something different about you. Why are you happy all the time? This job ain't that great. Why are you happy all the time? Like, It's not my job that makes me happy. It's not my checking account that makes me happy. It's not my things. Your kids must be angels. You're always talking about, are you kidding? You ought to see their rooms. They're a mess. But I know God's at work. And it's not going to be that way forever. And I can see the end from the beginning. And I know God's at work. And and all of a sudden it changes the way you look. And it changes the way you see when that stream is on the inside of you. It shifts everything. And God wanted us to have his Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, people, is that stream of living water. Jesus didn't want us to just have to come to it. And he wanted us to be able to carry it. See, God's best isn't that we're just being near the stream, but that the stream is being in us. Let's look at John chapter 14. We're going to be looking at Jesus talking about the, the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And we're going to be in John chapter 14, John chapter 15, and John chapter 16. Now, all of that happens there at the Lord's Supper, where, where Jesus had his, the, the, the last supper with his with his disciples and and he taught them what we just did as a congregation of remembering with the with the with the bread and the wine and, and the and the cup and the and the, and the loaf he talked about a lot of other things there and John 14 15 and 16 are all there in the upper room and there's this conversation that he had at this first part we see that we just read there that he yells it out to anybody that'll hear but there's there's just a small team of guys. There's just the 12 that are there with Jesus in the upper room as he is sharing these things. And, and this is Jesus with his closest guys as he's talking to them in John chapter 14. In verse 16 he says, And I will pray the Father, and he says, meaning I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. The Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees Him nor knows Him, but you know Him, and He dwells with you and will be in you. He will be in you. He's, he's there. The Spirit of God was there around him, but he said something's going to shift, and He's going to be in you. We keep going in John chapter 14. He says, but these things I have spoken to you while being present with you, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all the things that I have said to you. All of a sudden, you're going to have the Holy Spirit within you teaching you and guiding you from within. You're going to have this source of life on the inside of you that's going to be transformational. He goes on in John chapter 15. He says, but when the Helper comes, whom I will send To you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father will testify of me. The Holy Spirit will help you understand more and more and more of who Jesus is and what Jesus has done. We go on to John chapter 16. He says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage. One translation says, It is good. It is good that I go away. Now, wait a second. Jesus is, has these guys who have left everything. Peter told him, he said, Jesus, what about us? We've left everything. These guys dropped their occupations. They left their nets. They left their jobs. They left everything. And they've been following Jesus for years. And now he's telling them, um, I'm about to go away. Seriously? You could have told us this on the front side. We thought this was like a, the rest of our life gig here. You're not that old. You're a young rabbi. We felt like we, could, we had some, some length here. And now all of a sudden, just a few years into this, you're saying you're going to go away on us? We've left everything? He says it's good. It is good as to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. If I depart, if I am there in the presence of the Father and the Holy Spirit is sent and he will come to you and live on the inside of you, it is much better. Folks, we are not at a disadvantage. So many times we can read the scriptures and go, oh man, I wish I was like the disciples and had Jesus right here. Jesus himself said it's better to have the Holy Spirit dwelling within us, leading and guiding us than Jesus himself being present. Jesus said it's better. We didn't get the short end of the stick, folks. We're not here at the the tail end of this thing and and all the glory was reserved for this little group of guys 2,000 years ago. Jesus told them it was better. This is a great time to be alive, people. It's a great time to be a child of God. It's a great time to be a follower of Christ because we have the Holy Spirit living and dwelling within us. In fact, Jesus goes on to say in verse 12 of 16, he says, I still have many things to say to you, but you can't bear them now. Jesus, the best teacher ever, has these guys who, have, who are willing to learn. They laid everything down. They walked away from there, and they're following Jesus. And he says, I've got things to tell you, and you can't handle it. You can't handle it. Jesus was the first one to say, you can't handle the truth. You can handle it. He says, however, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. Folks, if the disciples were needing the Holy Spirit to reveal something directly to them, And they had the teacher of all teachers right there. Folks, you and I, we have to be radically patient with one another. We have to be radically patient. Jesus is sitting there and he knows what these guys need to hear. He knows what they, he's like, you need to hear this, but you're not ready. Folks, it's so easy for us to break open the scriptures and and see the different principles and then look at somebody else's life and go, ooh, that don't match. Mm, that'll work. Ooh, nope, nope, nope. Eh, you're all right. Nope. And all of a sudden, begin to judge people on all these different things when Jesus left the finish work of his own disciples to the Holy Spirit. Jesus left the finish work of his own disciples to the Holy Spirit. Don't you think you and I... Need to leave the real heavy lifting in this disciple thing to the Holy Spirit? Will the Holy Spirit use you and I sometimes? Absolutely. Will he use one of us to go after the 99? I mean, like after the one like we just prayed? Absolutely. But you and I, we have to be radically patient. And sometimes there will be something glaring obvious in somebody's life. And you're like, man, their life would be so much better if they would stop this or start that. And you better shut your mouth unless the Holy Spirit is telling you to open it. You understand me? As your pastor, I'm laying it down right here. Shut your mouth unless the Holy Spirit is telling you to do it. The church has caused more damage and done more destruction by opening our mouths too early and too premature. Jesus said you're not ready to hear it, and he kept his mouth shut. Jesus kept his mouth shut. And we can't keep ours shut sometimes. We think we're better than Jesus. We have to leave and believe that the Holy Spirit does His work. Have to. We have to. Jesus did it. We have to do this. So here the Holy Spirit is being sent. The Holy Spirit reveals things and does things. And so I'm telling you, it is amazing. But we need to recognize, folks, that the Holy Spirit is sent here to be our Helper. He's sent here to be our helper. He's sent here to, to be there for us and to, to, to work in our lives. And we need to recognize that because the scriptures also refer to the to the Holy Spirit as a comforter. And I think it's neat that most of us have something in our home that we call a comforter. Um, we have a comforter. This is our comforter from our house. And it's nice and thick and heavy. I love a good heavy blanket. I need some some weight on oh, me. I don't want some little light thing. I want to know I'm under the covers. And so, and so what's, here's what's hilarious to me. is Some of you, and you don't have to raise your hands, you have a comforter that sits on your bed. And it's beautiful, and you picked it out, and it goes with everything in your room. You take the little Pinterest picture, and it's all right, and it looks awesome. But then it gets to be night-night time, and you go to that beautiful little Pinterest ready bed, and you see that beautiful comforter, and you take it off, and you stack it neatly over in its little special place, and you get the real blanket, and you use that, and you have a comforter that you don't use. Folks, we don't want to be children of God that have a comforter we don't use. That the Holy Spirit isn't just this neat thing to have in the house to get the little church pick to go, ooh, Holy Spirit moving. Oh, stay over there, Holy Spirit. <laughs> ooh, no, no, no. It's just for the pick, seriously. We want to have a comforter. We want to have a comforter that we use and we'll wrap up in and we'll let it and be, you know what? We use this big old heavy comforter all year long in July. This is every day. We just turn the air conditioner down. Best sleep in the world. It's crispy cool in the room. It's cozy in the bed. July, you can see your breath. It's like you just don't look at the bill. Don't look at the bill. This feels so good. Do not look at the bill. Stupid text alerts telling me you're going to exceed your budget. Shut up, TXU. This feels good. And so, but we want to have a comforter that we use. We want to make sure that we embrace the ministry and the work of the Holy Spirit because He is our, he's our helper. He's our helper. And we want to make sure, and we have to have the right mental frame of the Holy Spirit. And sadly, a lot of people have the wrong mental frame of the Holy Spirit. They think that the Holy Spirit is like, is like God's uh, secret agent. And he's there to, to kind of be with us and maybe give us a little help now and then. But boy, slap our hands and rat on us to God. He's like the spiritual narc. He's telling man, they are messing it up. They're blowing it. Father, they're messing up. You need to get them. And we have this wrong idea of the work of the Holy Spirit. And so so many times we can see that there's like, oh, yeah, it's good in certain places, but I don't really want it in other places. And, and um, my, my dad was raised very outdoorsy and, and doing lots of hunting and fishing. And, and when he was a, a teenager, they went up to Yellowstone. And when they went up to Yellowstone, they were going to be doing some fishing. And I don't care what time of the year it is, um, uh, from what I understand, that water is cold. Middle of the summer, that water up there in Yellowstone Rivers is cold. Whether it's the Powder River, Yellowstone River, don't matter. It's cold water. So you're going to be getting in the water and doing some fishing. Well, then you're going to want to make sure... That you got some, you got you some waders. <laughs> so dad has his waders on. He's in the wader, in the water with his waders and he gets in there and boy, it's, it, they're, they're awesome, man. Protecting him from the cold water, keeping him nice and warm and all was, all was great. Then he decided to go find another fishing hole. And he walks along to go find another place to go fish. And as he's going down the river, at some point, he slips and slides down the riverbank and plunges into the Yellowstone River wearing waders. Well, all of a sudden, those waders weren't so cool anymore because they're full of water. And now all of a sudden, you have about 20 gallons of water flood into these things. And now all of a sudden, him trying to pull himself up out, the waders weren't cool anymore. And they were great. They were great as long as everything was going good. But one little slip up, and all of a sudden, they weren't his friend anymore. And so many Christians feel that way with the Holy Spirit. Man, when life's going good and all of this, man, yeah, I want the Holy Spirit around in my life. and All that's good. But man, I slip up. Oh, no, no, no. Oh no, he's just going to get on to me. He's just going to bother. He's just going to rebuke me. He's just going to do that. I don't want that. And we have a missed, a mistaken view of the Holy Spirit. And we see it that sometimes it's good and sometimes it's bad and it's not that case at all. But let's let's look at a passage of scripture right quick. Jesus goes on to say in John chapter 16 that and when he comes, he will convict The world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. Let's stop right there. If we just stop right there, the average person, that's a scary sounding thing. The Holy Spirit is going to come and he's going to convict the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. It sounds like the stereotypical Bible-thumping, mean-spirited Christian. You better watch it. I'm here to convict you of sin, righteousness, and judgment. Let's see what this looks like. That sounds scary. Like, do we really want the Holy Spirit all the time? Do I really want him in me? Yes. Yes. This is awesome. Verse 9, of sin. He's convicting us of sin. Not of sins, not picking apart our lives, not telling us what a loser we were because we got a little hot-headed behind somebody and on, the, on the road. We, we need to act loving. We need to do all those different things. But we think, oh, man, he's just picking us apart. No, look, he's convicting us of sin because they do not believe in me. That's what the Holy Spirit, the sin the Holy Spirit is convicting the world of, is that they need Jesus. That they need Jesus. That is one, the Holy Spirit. You have never in your life been in an environment where the Holy Spirit didn't exist and wasn't at work. All over the globe, the Holy Spirit is at work. The Holy Spirit is drawing every human being to God. And every time we lean in a little bit, if we're not a child of God, He says, you need Jesus. Christ died for you. That sin is an issue. And Jesus is the answer. And you need to believe in Jesus. It's not that you need to stop doing all this or start doing all that. You need to place your faith in Christ. That is what the Holy Spirit is doing. That is where He convicts the world of sin. 1 Corinthians 12.3 says, And no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is there at work drawing us to let Jesus be Lord of our lives, to let him lead and guide us. But it doesn't stop there. John chapter 16.10. And of righteousness. You better act righteous. You better act righteous. The Holy Spirit's going to convict you of righteous living. Of righteous living, he's going to tell you, you better stop that. That's unrighteous. What does Jesus say? What did Jesus say? Of righteousness, because I go to my Father and you see me no more. That sounds a little cryptic. That sounds a little cryptic right here. Righteousness, because I go to my Father and you see me no more. Jesus went to the Father and ascended to the Father when his work of atonement was done, when he had done everything it was to make us righteous and whole, the Holy Spirit is convicting us that the completed work is done. That we're righteous not because of us having some sort of righteous life, but because Jesus did it and completed it. Every time the Holy Spirit is talking to us about righteousness, he is reminding us that we are righteous because of what Jesus did. That we're already righteous because Christ has done. And then that, in that an awareness of that helps us to begin to live the life that's already been given to us. Already been given to us. And then of judgment. Oh, you quit that. You're gonna be judged. You're gonna be judged. You better stop that. No, of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. Or now stands condemned, other translations say. The judgment is that the enemy is lost. So what the Holy Spirit's saying? Believe in Jesus, you're righteous because he's completed it, and the enemy's defeated. Who doesn't want the Holy Spirit saying that all day, every day to them? I want the Holy Spirit saying that to me all day, every day. Place your faith in Jesus. The work is done. The enemy's defeated. Man, you can get out of bed and live some life with that. You can transform some things with that. I'm telling you, it changes everything. And this is the living water that God placed on the inside of us. John chapter 12, verse 31 says, Now is the judgment of this world, and now the ruler of this world has been cast out. And John 15, 26 says, When the Helper comes, whom I shall send to you from the Father, the the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. He's going to talk to us about Jesus. That Jesus has done it, Jesus is the way, Jesus is the truth, Jesus is the life. The Holy Spirit is going to reveal Jesus to us. Folks, this, we want to be that tree planted in living water. As a child of God, embrace that there is a fountain of living water already alive on the inside of you. Don't make it at a comforter that you don't use. Make sure the Holy Spirit is something you embrace the ministry of fully. The Holy Spirit has so much more to bring. So much more to bring. There's the gifts of the Spirit that will be, should be fully at work. Bring a word of knowledge, word of wisdom, miracles, healings. It should be fully at work. The fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, self-control. should be at work in our lives. Folks, this happens when we allow that stream of living water to fully be at work in us. See, the key to growing and knowing God better and trusting Him more is letting the Holy Spirit reveal Jesus to us. Our bottom line today is the Holy Spirit is our stream of living water. See, God is the source of life. Stay rooted in Him.